into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin, lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery again. Duzzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Coming up on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast, Paris Saint-Germain gear up for Real Madrid by beating Rennes, but discontent in the stands suggests all is not well at the Parc des Princes. Milik sends a message to Sampaoli as Marseille surge clear of a Nice side soundly beaten by Lyon. We discuss Strasbourg's European challenge and all the rest of the round 24 talking points, We'll have another special prize up for grabs too. In the week of PSG's clash with Real Madrid, you can win a Sergio Ramos PSG shirt by sending in the correct answer to our Deja Who conundrum, which we'll be bringing you later in the pod. We'll also be revealing who won the Jonathan David shirt. Um, before we get underway, I want to say thank you to uh, all of our listeners who who sent in very kind um, emails uh, uh, to our email, league1podcast at gmail.com, about our late uh, colleague and uh, good friend David Crossan, whom we paid tribute to last week. We had a huge amount of interactions on uh, on Twitter as well. So thank you, thank you everybody, for getting in touch about Dave. It's, uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, joining me this morning uh, in the pod, I've got Robbie Thompson down under. How are you, Rob? Very well, Matthew. How's everyone going? Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. We're going to be talking about your beloved uh, PSG. It's a big week for them. And uh, we've got a PSG specialist on the pod as well. The uh, football journalist, Jonathan Johnson, joins us this morning. How are you, Jonathan? Hey there, guys. Great to be back on with you. Doing very well. Thanks. And just wanted to echo everybody's um, interactions with you after last week. I thought, um, you know, the the most recent episode of Les Bourgeois was, uh, you know, was, was beautifully done, really well handled by all of you guys. And you know, really did, uh, David, uh, you know, uh, a fantastic credit. You know, he was a really, a really wonderful guy, uh, you know, a lovely colleague. And, uh, you know, I thought it was absolutely perfect, the episode that you guys produced. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. That's that, that's greatly appreciated. Um, we're going to be talking about PSG first, but we will also be talking about Marseille, Nice, Lyon, Strasbourg. Um, so, so do bear with us. Paris Saint-Germain um, played at the Parc des Princes on Friday night. I bumped into to Jonathan, as as you tend to when you go to the Parc des Princes. He, he seems to spend half of his half of his life there. They were at home against Rennes. Um, not that much happened before the ninety third minute. Let's hear some commentary, um, and we'll start the commentary in the ninety third minute. Jonas Martin tried to slip one through towards Sulemana. Now at the other end, PSG have got space. Icardi. Messi, Mbappe to his left, he goes for Mbappe, killing Mbappe to win it! Well, he has done just that! Deep in added time! Who else but Kylian Mbappe? Yes, so Kylian uh, delivered at the end of, uh, of what was a, a tight game, it was... It was interesting, but never really kind of never really took off. And uh, John, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, I said it in in the commentary a few times. If anybody was going to win the game 
for PSG, it was Kylian Mbappe. He he hit the post in the first half. He had a goal disallowed when he was fractionally offside. I thought Wren posed a threat and played pretty well for the first sort of hour. But then, I don't know, maybe they were kind of caught between two stools thinking, do we, do we you know, settle for a, for a draw here? And actually the goal came when they were caught out sort of with half the team attacking and half the team staying back. But I mean, all in all, uh, Jonathan, an important victory, but again, an, an, an underwhelming performance from Paris. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it was an important victory, especially leading into such a big game as as Real Madrid at home this coming week in the Champions League. Uh, you know, and I think as well, it must have been gutting for Ren to be seconds away from being unbeaten against PSG uh, this season and then to, to lose it like that. But, you know, when you have guys like Lionel Messi and, and Mbappe connecting uh, the way they did right at the end, you know, it is a real sort of game breaker situation. Uh, but you're right. You know, I think it was only ever really going to be Mbappe, given what we saw on Friday, uh, who was going to break that deadlock and, and make the difference <clears throat> in PSG's favour. Um, I do think that there were some interesting sort of subplots within the game. You know, I thought Verratti going up against Lovro was ideal preparation for him to go up against uh, Modric uh, this coming week against Real. But it was similar to a lot of the, the performances that we've seen from PSG over the course of the season where you just feel that the squad, you know, the players in this in this group are just capable of playing so much better, at, you know, really taking the game to their opponents, which they never really did uh, in this clash. Yeah, there was no Neymar, Robbie. Suggestions that he should be fit enough to be on the bench uh, on, on Tuesday night against Real Madrid. Maurizio Pochettino said after the game that it'll be a totally different game against Real Madrid because we don't expect Real Madrid to play such a sort of disciplined defensive game. Um, they might leave a bit more space for, for, for Paris Saint-Germain. Um, how, how, did you see, how did you see this one? As I say, no Neymar. We had Xavi Simons playing, the 18-year-old Dutch kid. Um, I thought he 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 ran quite hard and um, certainly looked like he has talent, has has ability. Uh, what was your reading of the game, Rob? Yeah, I thought. Look, it's for me. It comes back to this: what we expect from this Paris Saint Germain side. Yes, they've compiled one of the greatest squads in in history. Yes, they should, in theory, run away with every game, but. Wren are a tactically disciplined side. They have quality footballers as well. I know they're not going to win the Champions League. They have to qualify first, of course, which we, we will get to later. But, but when a side defends deep, particularly a French side with that, with that French defensive culture that they have, where they're not interested in trying to go out after you, they're interested in trying to contain you, it's not easy. We see it week in, week out. But this growing expectation... With, with Messi that only has two league and goals, with, with Killian who's going to leave the club, with other players that don't get in the team normally and are earning huge money and then come in. And of course, they don't have the rhythm, they don't have the form, they don't have the match fitness. But all this growing frustration um, around the club means that every result, unless it's 5-0 which there was 5-1 against Lille the week before, there was 4-0 against Reims the, the, the match before that, either side of a cup exit to, to Nice. But there's this feeling, I think it's more the expectation and the interpretation of what's going on. I don't think a 1-0 victory over Rennes, who are a good side doing well this season, four days before a huge match against Real Madrid, is that bad a result? Particularly when you consider that I don't think they actually had that many chances and that Paris Saint-Germain 
you know, hitting the post, scoring a marginally offside goal. It could easily have been 2-0 earlier in the contest. But I do agree that Kylian Mbappe is absolutely superb. I also agree with what Jonathan said about Verratti versus Maya. It was a superb battle in the middle of the park. And and look, warming up for Real Madrid with a with a win. Real Madrid, they drew 0-0 after their cup defeat uh, 10 days ago as well. They're mirroring Paris Saint-Germain, I think, in, in many respects. So... It's not all doom and gloom, not yet anyway. Not, no, not on the pitch. Not all doom no, <laughs> not all doom and gloom, and certainly nobody's suggesting it's a bad result. It's obviously a good result. It took PSG sixteen points clear of the of the competition on Friday night. But yes, you, you allude to the fact that off the pitch things weren't necessarily that harmonious. We heard um before the game Maurizio Pochettino got booed when his name was uh, was called out, got booed by by a section of the PSG supporters. We had the, the ultras uh, behind the goal in the Otoy and the uh, Collectif Ultra Paris who were, who were protesting. They've, they've been having sort of widespread protests in, in, the, in, in the last couple of weeks and they stayed away for the first 25 minutes of this game. They came into the stadium only after 25 minutes. They then unfurled a whole host of banners. There was about a dozen banners um, issuing messages to the club hierarchy, essentially, but to the players as well. I'll just give you a, a little taste of some of the messages. Um, there was a banner that said, the only treble we'll get this season, a disrespectful board, players without desire, shirts without our colours on them. Another banner, we sing with passion for players without motivation, stop taking us for fools. Um they were busy. They were busy uh, making these banners. <laughs> Respect the women's section. Marquinhos, the example to follow. Leonardo, time to go, question mark. I mean, it's all pretty hard hitting, John. And a lot of people, you know, certainly from the outside are saying, well, w- what's going on here? They're, they're 13 points clear um, of Marseille, who, who, who were also victorious later in the weekend. Um, they're about to play a huge game against Real Madrid in the Champions League. They've got, as Robbie alluded to, one of the certainly most star-studded squads uh, in world football. What are these guys complaining about? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question, uh, you know, for people, I guess, who are, who are maybe not watching um, Ligue 1 week in, week out. Uh, for me, it's a bit of a throwback to sort of the early 2000s when you had a lot of this kind of discontent without the same level of success on the pitch. Uh, you know, but also I think that, you know, within some of those messages, there are, uh, you know, some some elements of, uh, of of truth to it. I mean, you look at the way that they're sort of viewing Marquinhos as, uh, as, as this kind of deity and you listen to Marquinhos' comments uh, to TFR's Telefoot over the weekend and you know, there is a difference between guys like Marquinhos, who is extremely invested in PSG as a club, in the project that PSG are putting together, uh, and some of the other guys, uh, you know, who have, who have come on board over the years. Uh, you know, I think some of the criticism leveled at Pochettino now that he's had over 12 months in the job is understandable. When you look at some of the performances that have been put out this season, some of the players who clearly know that their long-term future is not really in Paris yet, they're not really anywhere close to, to the exit door either. 
Uh, you know, there've been some f- a few individuals who have performed below par it's over, some the, name. over it's the course some names, of the season. John, we're talking Draxler, we're talking... I mean, I, 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 I singled out Paredes uh, on Twitter during the match. I found his attitude very frustrating and I've, I've thought that on numerous occasions uh, throughout the season. Julian Draxler, yes, is another one. You have Levin Kazawa, who seems to be linked with the Premier League every single transfer window, yet doesn't get anywhere near the match day squad uh, and yet is still in the Champions League squad uh, because of the the homegrown quota uh, that is needed. Uh, and, you know, Draxler and Kazar are interesting examples because they connect with Leonardo. You know, there was the uh, invitation to leave uh, the club by the ultras to Leonardo. Um, and you're looking at some of the decisions that Leonardo has made since his return in 2019. And he's handed contract extensions to guys like Draxler to Kazawa. So, you know, you look at this PSG squad and I think there's a feeling that it's quite bloated. Uh, you know, there are some very, very talented players there, you know, don't get me wrong, uh, who, you know, perform for, for the most part. But then you've got some guys like, uh, you know, Mauro Riccardi, who just looks an absolute shadow of the guy who looked so impressive in his first few months in Paris, uh, you know, who you know, can't really hit a barn door. Yeah, but days. who never plays? Like, who, ne- Robbie, who never yeah, but, plays and okay. is up against uh, some of the best players in the world. Look, I agree, but I don't think any of this is necessarily the player's fault or even even if I could push it that far, the coach's fault because I think the coach, Mauricio Pochettino, I think his biggest problem is a communication problem. I know on the pitch he doesn't have this side humming, but when you have a squad, they have a, a big squad of internationally recognised players who all want to play, and when they don't play, they drop their, you know, they 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 let their heads drop. I think that's probably fair to say that a, a few of them have. To, there's not the same feeling there was in those final those six months under Thomas Tuchel, where the team went to the Champions League final, where there was an incredible spirit within the team. It's not the case, but but this is surely something we have to direct, and I think the fans have been doing that towards the club hierarchy, towards the, the board, towards the decision makers, because Levin Kuzava is not going to leave with the salary he has. I understand your point, JJ, that, that Leonardo's offered him a new contract. Yes, yeah, same, Mauro Icardi, Draxler, these guys all resigned to general surprise. But the only, the only other option was that they leave for free. And we know that Paris Saint-Germain, we've been talking about it for the last 18 months, every six months, they need to generate 60 million. They need to generate... 100 million this you can't do that if you let all your players just run out you need to resign them to gamble to have to be able to sell three or four well, years of contract yeah but robbie is football not not moving on we're seeing other clubs as well having to 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 you know i know arsenal are close to my heart but yeah, and you know they've been giving players away uh, you know obama yang is 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 the best example they actually supplemented some of his salary because ultimately you know you talk about wanting to recoup money um, but if I give you these names, Icardi, Draxler, Wijnaldum, Kuzawa, Ramos, Paredes, Mes- Messi, I could even add Messi, you know, the salaries that these guys are on and they have mm. produced, they have contributed nothing this season. I'll take Messi out of it because he has contributed. But Well, Wijnaldum has also played a lot of football <sighs> and scored a couple of important goals. But I, 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 I understand he's, your point. He's been, you know, for a player that I really rate, he has been woeful for whatever reason. And yeah, maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's not Pochettino's fault. But something, something isn't working. Something is, is, is rotten, you know, at, at, at the core. I don't want to say something's rotten at the core of this football club, but, 
you know, we were discussing before we went on air, why, why are the fans bringing this up now at such a, an important time? And, you know, we're not sure, but we just feel, John, you know, would I be right to say, we just feel that it's got to a point where, you know, where they're fed up. It was also the day where they were unveiling their new fourth shirt, which is inspired by the Chicago Bulls. They're fed up. And I have to say, commentating, it, it was strange seeing a PSG playing in white against a Ren side in, in, in black. And, you know, maybe if PSG were playing great football, we, we wouldn't care. We wouldn't talk about this. But it does seem to just be like a culmination of things. And they were very upset with the, the defeat in the Coupe de France. And they feel that PSG aren't giving the attention they should be to, to domestic cups, even though they've you know, pretty much won, the, won, well, 80% of the domestic cups for the last seven years. I mean, to be honest with the the Coupe de France exit, I can completely sympathise with their situation. I was there. It, it was basically a training match for ninety minutes until it went to penalties. The the, the attitude, the you know, the collective uh, attitude shown on the pitch wasn't wasn't good enough that night. Uh, you know, and I think it was quite shameful. You mentioned Javi Simons already. I think it was shameful that so many more experienced players could have stepped up and taken that crucial penalty ahead of him, and they didn't. Uh, you know, and that shows that there are people within that group who, you know, will shirk responsibility. You know, they're paid because they're recognized internationals of very, very high quality. Uh, yet, uh, you know, they're not even willing to take a, a penalty over uh, over a very vulnerable teenager who's trying to prove that he is worthy of having some future at the club. Uh, you know, a very talented youngster. Uh, with, regards to the, with regards to the kit, you know, not everybody is always going to love every single kit that a that a club produces uh, season after season. It's not. It's not uh, about know, not liking some... the kit, though, John. It's about not wearing. <laughs> it's about playing PSG's at home colors with it, blue and and red. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that. But also at the same time, if it's just sort of a one-off sort of you know debut this kit and then it will reappear at some point over the second half of the season. Uh, you know, I mean, we've seen it happen before. We saw it with the. Uh, the sort of acid pink uh, and purple number as well. That was, but that was debuted at home. Uh, but I can, I can understand <laughs> that the fr- the frustration when it uh, sort of seeps over from the fr- from the fans. My, I guess my question, my my proposition to you guys about the timing of all of this would be, you know, would it be would it, would it have been constructive for them to have all kept this building up inside and then unleashed it on the players as they're taking onto the pit, taking to the pitch against Real Madrid, Robbie, I. It's a good question that Jonathan asked, but there's definitely tension within within the club, and the the, the players usually go across and uh, acknowledge and applaud the supporters, and they didn't do that against Wren, so that was that was notable. I assume the fans are going to be really up for it on Tuesday, and the atmosphere will be brilliant. I'm sure. Um, I think so. I think that well, to, for Jonathan's question, yes, I think what this is a shot across the bow, isn't it? Of of not only the the club, but also the players saying, look, this is a, a big moment coming up on Tuesday night against Real Madrid. Um, we have history with this club. They eliminated us three years ago as well. I mean, that was that was when Paris Saint-Germain were, were a fine side as well and could have gone could have gone a lot further. I think there are so many so many elements. I think side note, we should do a different pod on PSG's kits. Because there have been some spectacular kits over over the last few years. Well, um, yeah, but maybe I, I Robert, do agree. Maybe, that, maybe this is for the fashion podcast, and that maybe PSG should be, you know, focusing more. On football well, that's what I was going to say, fashion. Matt. Absolutely, I think that these two things can be. I think we have to be big enough. Perhaps the problem is 
is that the style of play on the pitch and, and the fact that you're eliminated from the cup mix all these things together. But the fact that Paris Saint-Germain are earning big money and are trendsetters in world football. Look at all the kits coming out now. They are all following what Paris Saint-Germain have done over the last six, seven years in terms of developing new kits, of going with radical designs, of reaching out to, to new markets of, of young street cred, um, which is some, but that's separate. They're doing that very well. Well done. Applaud the Paris Saint-Germain marketing yeah, um, I think they're group the ones, for doing that. The ones they're who gener- are earning their money. Yeah. On the pitch, <laughs> but, but on the pitch, you also have to be getting the results. And at the moment, everything's getting mixed up, and that's an easy target. When people from outside as well, who, who aren't in France or even who don't watch Paris Saint-Germain play every week, just see... A new kit come out for football purists. It's not easy. Paris Saint-Germain have a difficult image overseas, outside of France, as well as probably inside France, but for different reasons. But but all of this is being mixed up. The French would say, uh, uh, faut pas trop mélanger or faut pas tout mélanger. At the moment, it is all being mixed up together and you can just shoot grapeseed at 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 everything and hit a bit of everything. And And I don't know if that's really constructive to the argument. There are... There are things going on off the pitch. Clubs need to find new revenues for money. TV deals aren't always there and not everyone can earn the money that the English Premier League earns from from TV deals either. So these clubs have to get creative. There's nothing wrong with that. But on the pitch, you have to back it up. And this is not the first time the the fans have have done this either. I remember going to training. We had a training session at at the Parc des Princes after Barcelona after the 6-1, the remontada, after games like this, where the fans were absolutely irate, where the fans protested, where the fans were very aggressive towards the players who they who they liked. This is not new. It's coming again now, and I think because of this culmination of things and, and probably COVID as well and the fact that, that JJ said just before we came on air that the fans haven't been in the stadiums to... to to watch this progression they've been a little bit cut adrift they've been a little bit helpless as well for for nearly 18 months two years in terms of watching football the way the way they used to so i think there's there's lots of elements involved in why this is why this has come out now but it's not good i i i think it's not good i think something has to be addressed and i think it's almost wider global issues in football as well uh, Robbie, it's good to hear you haven't lost your French since you since you moved down under. Um, it, it's 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 a crucial week, but a crucial period. You feel, John, in 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 the project, and we are going to move on and 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 talk about the rest. But I do just want to look ahead to to Tuesday night. A lot is going to focus on Kylian Mbappe. He's head and shoulders PSG's best player at the moment, and you feel that he will he'll have to fire, won't he? I mean, yeah, Messi's going to be motivated. We've seen Messi looking. Looking quite sharp, not not brilliant on Friday night. He was very good against Lille the uh, the previous weekend. But uh, how do you see how do you see this one going? Sergio Ramos ruled out, so it's going to be Kimpembe and and, and Marquinhos who look very solid against against Ren. They should have a good platform. PSG. Um, start your answer by telling me who you'd put in goal, and uh, and then tell me if PSG are going to get a good result. That's uh, that's a that's a really good question, putting me on the spot. We've seen Kaylon Navas have some fantastic performances uh, against his former club uh, in PSG colours, uh, particularly uh, at Santiago Bernabeu. So I don't know if Pochettino will go with with Donnarumma for the home leg, Kaylon Navas for the away leg. But given his experience, um, 
in these fixtures over the years, I'd actually probably go with Navas. Uh, I'd put the the confidence in him because I think the motivational factor to be going up against Real will be will be huge. It is it is a massive match, and I think there'll be no shortage of of motivation for all of the players. Of course, it's difficult to look past Mbappe as the 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 key element in in this game for so many different reasons. You know, the talk pre match, mid match, post match is going to be all about him. Uh, you know, and it's written for him to have the same sort of uh, impact that we saw him have against the likes of Barcelona last season. You know, to really make a to make a statement. Uh, you know, one that that neither club uh, can ignore for all the reasons that uh, you know have been discussed over the past year or eighteen months. Uh, you know, and I think as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing that battle in the midfield between Verratti and Modric. You know, I hope we get to see 180 minutes of that because it could be pure footballing brilliance for, you know, for PSG fans, for Real fans, you know, for the neutral as well. But, uh, you know, make no mistake, this is a huge, huge game uh, for PSG and for the the project, given that this is the last Champions League, obviously, before the World Cup coming up at the end of this year. I'll go. I'll go. Can you ask me the same question, Matt? Go on then. Hang on. I'm just gonna. Say, I'm gonna say one nil PSG. JJ, before we bring Robbie in, quick, quick score prediction. Two one PSG. Two one PSG. Yeah, uh, Robbie. Same question. Okay. I can't remember what it was apart from who's the goalkeeper. That was the question, and that, that question to me is just how can you blame Mauricio Pochettino really when it all comes down to it? For because how do you make that decision? How can you? How can you give? A coach, because I don't think he he wanted to have two of the best goalkeepers in the world in your club. Insofar as insofar as you don't want to have too many great players, but goalkeeper, it's such a special position. You have to have one that plays regularly. It doesn't work. Paris Saint Germain have even tried to have several times have two goalkeepers. That it just doesn't work. And when you're coming up to a to a big match like this. Whatever Pochettino decides, someone is going to be upset and there's going to be pros and cons and there's going to be people analysing it, as JJ says, before, during and after this tie, saying, well, he should have done this, he should have done that, he, he got that decision wrong. There are subplots everywhere as well with, with Killian. I mean, does Killian celebrate goals if he, if he wins, he, if he's already signed a deal? Oh, the Real Madrid fans... <laughs> Real Madrid fans will find it very hard to uh, to accept if he oh, come on, destroys them like he did he's Bayern PS- Munich. He's a PSG player. Absolutely, he is. Absolutely, he is. Real Madrid fans will completely understand that if he it's scores all a about, goal. And, oh, come on, really? Real Madrid think, fans Real will Madrid- completely understand that. Mm, yeah, not so sure. Yeah. I hope oh, they. Can, I hope they are signed, forced to understand that. Yeah, unless you know something we don't, Rob. He hasn't signed for Real Madrid yet. Well, he's out of contract in less than six months. Well, isn't yeah, he, I know, I know, but he's he's under well, contract. He can sign wherever he wants for the last month and a half. No, I'm fully aware of that, but he's a Paris Saint-Germain player. <laughs> um, we, I, I'm going to get your prediction, but just yeah, the, the goalkeepers. It's funny, but I don't think Pochettino. You know, I think because they've performed so well, both of them, and there's not, you know, there've been one or two goals. I think in both cases that they maybe have been faulting over the season. But I was reading the stats in in Lequipe, Donnarumma, and Navas, and. They were like comparing, saying, well, Donnarumma has saved 79.4% of his shots and Navas has only saved 79.2% of his shots or something. Like, so <laughs> the, the stats are just like incredibly similar. Um, so I think either way, if he picks Navas and he has a bad game, Pochettino won't be criticised for that. Likewise, Donnarumma. But Robbie, prediction? 3-0. 3-0, two goals from Killian, just, one from Messi. 
Di Maria, just one th- three assists. Just one thing before we end yeah, the, if you, if you the could debate cut, if you on the goalkeepers as well. John, please go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I just, I just wanted to, to, to jump in and add that it's one thing I've always marveled at this uh, since I've come back to, to, to Paris and started working as a, as a journalist. There's an obsession with the, the goalkeeping position. It's very, very bizarre, both nationally and sort of local to, to PSG ever since uh, the beginning of the, the project. There's been an obsession with the goalkeeping position, you know, to have an established starter who can live up to some of the great names, the illustrious names that we've seen in the past, like Lamar. Uh, you know, and so many of the the talented players that have passed through that position have fallen short, not really through any fault of their own, just through the sheer pressure that gets built up in debating this position, uh, you know, absolutely annihilating it with all of this analysis that, that, that you alluded to with the, the statistical comparison between Donnarumma and, and Navas. And I think that's one of the things that 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 needs to, to stop. You know, if you're going to give some position like goalkeeper, which is a very, very important position, some sort of stability. The stability that we kind of saw when you had Navas as the established starter, Rico as the established backup goalkeeper, uh, you know, and I think that at some point in the very near future, there is going to have to be some sort of reset in that position. And you'd have to assume, given age, that, that Donnarumma, you know, will will be the one who PSG choose to, to go forward with uh, long term. But you know, it would be a shame to see Navas marginalised in as big a fixture as this, given how big he has been for PSG uh, in some of these continental fixtures. Thank you. Just very quickly, oh, if I may, very Rob, quickly, we, final yeah, point done, on the goalkeepers. PSG, very quickly. Robin. I know it's half an hour on PSG. <laughs> I've I worked with them all. I know all of them. I, I've I've been around them. I've seen it. And. You know, we're talking about Gianluigi Buffon. We're talking about Alphonse Ariola, Kevin Trapp. I was at the games when they all made howlers. Matt, you and I were, were sitting together watching the, the Manchester United game with Buffon after seven minutes or whatever. The, 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 well, no, that was Kera's slip, but the shot yeah, that he spilt for, for no I was, reason. I was, I was giving you the tissues. Yeah, wrong. exactly. <laughs> but, but at Bernabeu, when Kevin Trapp made a mistake, in, in, I mean, I, I was at all the games, and all the goalkeepers are good goalkeepers. They're confident going into games. They're, they're professional. But it's something that you can't, like you say, you can't analyse it. It's something that has to come with stability in the position. You have to not be thinking about it. It has to be something that you accept. You're playing. You're playing. It's not finding out if you're playing or not thinking, oh, this is a big week. God, I hope the coach picks me for Real in six weeks' time, in a, in a month's time, in two weeks' time. Oh, he got the cup game. So does that mean I get the Champions League game? Anyway, that's enough. Pochettino, he's not usually funny after games but he came up with one funny remark I don't know if he meant it or not but he was asked in the post-match I think it was on Amazon um, he said uh, can you tell us who's going to be in goal on Tuesday and he said uh, Thibaut Courtois and, 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 and that was pretty funny but I'm not sure if he thought they were talking about Real Madrid and he genuinely thought he was being tested but anyway um, we, we, we've had uh, a, lot of, a lot of emails in um, about subjects other than PSG and in particular um, about the the fascinating race for Champions League and European qualification. There are some very, very exciting races going on throughout the league on Uber Eats standing. So um, let's let's talk about some other teams. I, I want to talk about Marseille and in particular one player. Um, and it's kind of related to this discussion we were having about Donnarumma and, uh, and Navas insofar as 
a striker like a goalkeeper, you know, these days you're only really going to have one striker in in your starting eleven. And for some reason, Jorge Sampaoli is being very tough on Arcadius Milik, um, who's had this had this injury. He's taken a bit of time to get back to his best. He returned in 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 October. Um, and there's been a feeling, admittedly, that Marseille have struggled a little bit when Milik has has started. It's often meant that uh, Dimitri Payet has had to play out wide on the left and he's not as effective as when he plays through the middle, either as a false nine or as a number 10. Um, against Mets on, on Sunday night. So Milik scored a hat-trick, by the way, last last week against Angers as Marseille won 5-2. He didn't do brilliantly against Nice in, in the cup. Nice beat Marseille 4-1, but Milik was not the worst player by any means. He was left on the bench against Mets, which you know I, I found astounding. Sampaoli explained after that he wanted to play with split strikers, Bakombu and uh, Bomba Dieng, um, who could go out wide and leave Payet this, this, this central role. But what happened? Marseille was struggling. It was 1-1. Again, he sent Milik on late. It was about 75 minutes. And, uh, and Milik scored this absolutely unbelievable goal. Marseille won the game. Um, it was an overhead kick. Said Kalasinac headed it into the box. Milik sort of chested it up and did this absolutely stunning uh, left-footed overhead. Um, and before we discuss his situation, let's hear his interview because it was interesting. Um, Milik was was asked about the goal and about his position on the bench uh, in the post-match interview. Uh, I'm happy that I helped my team to win the game and uh, the three points today were the most important, so I'm very happy of that. How did you cope with the fact that you were not in the starting lineup? There is some things that I don't understand, but I am doing my job, so only this. Okay, uh, Marseille is now uh, four points ahead of uh, Nice. We know you are, you are the club has a goal of Champions League, so you are on the very good way with a sixth victory on the road. Yes, we are happy, very happy of that, but we know that, uh, like always, there's always something to improve, and I know we can play much better than, than today. Um, we are happy that we are four points in front of the Nice, but there is still many games, so we have to be we have to be smart, we have to be clever, we have to uh, we have to still work hard because there are still many games to play. To finish this goal, it's a masterpiece. Huh? This goal is wonderful. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, tell us about yeah, it. It was very nice goal. I'm very happy of that goal. Uh, that, that, that's, that's really beautiful goal. So I'm very happy of that. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Uh, John, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you. Interesting from Milik, in particular, the question, how did you cope with being on the bench? And uh, uh, he took a while before answering. He clearly was was reluctant to say anything and eventually did say, there are some things I don't understand, but I'm doing my job. And he, he's not a happy boy. And per- personally, I can understand that because he, I think he's the best number nine Marseille have had in years. And surely Sampaoli has to find a, a place for him. I mean, he can you believe that Sampaoli is leaving him on the bench? Be- better than Benedetto, though, because I remember you being pretty high on him. John, don't get... That's, don't get, that's just nasty. You can that's make just jokes, nasty. You can make jokes when we're talking about PSG, but not about, about Marseille, please. Um, better than Benedetto. No, on, yes. on, 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 on Milik, I, I think he's a wonderful player. Uh, in terms of sort of being a pure predator, goal scorer, there, there are not many who are 
more predatory in front of goal uh, than Milik in, in Europe. Uh, it's a real shame to see what injuries uh, have done to parts of his career, particularly when he was in Italy. But also at the same time, if he hadn't had those issues, perhaps we wouldn't have been lucky enough to see him come to Ligue 1 because he has been uh, a real breath of fresh air for Marseille when he's been fit and available. Uh, you know, and I think he could really make the difference for them uh, you know, in the, the coming years if they're to make a return to, to Champions League football, sort of, you know, the... The, the more of a norm than has been the uh, the case in the past decade. But Willie, so. but Willie with Sampaoli, because he's got you know he's got a problem with this coach, no? I mean, I don't know necessarily whether it's a, a problem or whether it's that Sampaoli is reluctant to build the attack around somebody who he knows is so fragile that he might not be available week in week out. I think that that would probably be a bit unfair, a bit harsh on uh, on on Milik. But you know, look, judging uh, by his his answer, you know, he knows that he faces a challenge to establish himself as the undisputed starter uh, up top for Marseille. You know, perhaps Sampaoli feels like he only really sort of comes alive when there's an opportunity in front of goal and doesn't com- contribute as much to the build-up players he'd like. You know, I guess we'd only be able to judge when we get Sam Pauli actually going into detail about this and explaining sort of why he makes these decisions. But if this is simply to serve to keep Milik uh, extremely motivated uh, and continue to produce the sort of form that we've seen from him over the last couple of weeks, which have been extremely prolific, uh, you know, then... You know, you, you could say that that tactic at this moment in time is working. Whether it works out long term, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But uh, you know, Milik, when when he's in that sort of mood, makes the absolute difference for Marseille, as we saw in Mess. Robbie, I think John's being being nice to to San Paoli, saying, "Oh yeah, he's clever. He's keeping Milik motivated." I mean, he, he's he's pushing. I didn't I didn't say he was clever. No, <laughs> but he's pushing. He's pushing Milik. To the edge here. I mean, I you know, we saw in that interview, but um, it's been happening for a few weeks. He was absolutely fuming Millet when he was left out of the Lyon-Marseille game. And he, he came on in the 86th minute in that game and Lyon, Lyon got the winner. I You know, I think football, you know, in, term, in, in pure footballing terms, there, there is an issue insofar as I think Sampaoli is, is quite happy to play without that focal point in attack and we've seen yeah i yeah go i i think it's more tactical probably i think for me personally i think it's a he's a little bit miscast i don't think necessarily when you look at the other players marseille have and and marseille's recent style of play and ha- when you have such a dominant player like uh dimitri payet in your front line when you have your 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 conrad de la fuentes when you have your senjizundas when you have these guys who are who are clever wide players who love to come inside who can who can shoot who can play a different style up front i think it's not dissimilar to how he struggled under napoli the last couple of years with your with your little little strikers your belgians and your italians up front for napoli who are who are who are Insigne and, and Merton so dangerous, they don't necessarily need to play with this number nine. Marseille don't need to play with this number nine character. He did very well at Ajax, who have a tradition of playing with big number nines and what, are playing Rob, excellently so, well, with Marseille a big number nine at the moment. Marseille are so good without Milik, are they? Because, I don't know. Marseille's don't know. best I mean, forms this year, earlier in the season, were without Milik, Matt. Absolutely. I don't know. But it's not to say that Milik is not a, a fantastic player. Let's not also forget that he's on loan. So Sampaoli does, has no pressure from, from upstairs. He's been bought? 
Yeah, he's a Marseille he's, player. He's, he's not on loan anymore. He he signed for Marseille in the summer. Okay. Oh, I thought on, he was signed on, a back-to-back two-year loans. He was signed for one year, six-month loan with another possible year loan. JJ, help us here. What is the status uh, I, of Eric? I, I was under the impression that he is. I was under the impression that he is there permanently. Okay. Well, in which case, Sampaoli may be getting pressure to play him. But if he's on loan, then I, then I don't think it's uh, so, so shocking either in that respect. Now let me check. He's this. not a player suited to Sampaoli. He's not a player suited to the way Marseille play. Even in terms of temperament, he's not a player that I think would really endear himself to. To uh to the Marseille faithful, I think it's a bit of a mis miscasting and uh, and if okay. he like he said after six months that he wanted to return to Italy, well, maybe think, maybe I he think, should yeah. look somewhere else to play. I think you're misjudging this quite considerably, guys. I think he's hugely uh, loved by the Marseille fans. I think a lot of Marseille fans are, are fuming that he's not playing every single game. I think they've been desperate to have a, a number nine and a and a top striker for years and years and years and they feel that they've got him and there's this frustration that that they have a coach who doesn't seem to want to use him or doesn't know how to use him. One thing that I would add on Marseille and it's not necessarily specific to Milik is that at least Marseille fans that I follow, uh, you know, who are commenting match in, match out, have kind of felt that there's been a little bit of a drop off in terms of the collective mentality that's perhaps linked to the coach, uh, you know, perhaps linked to um, the mentality that, that San Paoli has, has fostered at Stade Vélodrome. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's difficult at this moment in time to judge, you know, who might be there uh, more long term. Sampaoli as the the coach or Milik as the as the striker because the other thing to consider with Marseille as well is they have this transfer ban looming over them which may well prohibit them from doing any business this summer which you know would make sort of getting rid of somebody like Milik you know potentially a majorly risky move uh, given that they wouldn't necessarily be able to bring anybody else in to to strengthen depending on what happens uh, you know the outcome of their appeal against that provisional transfer ban. Okay, well, let's uh, see what what happens with Marseille and Milik. Uh, They are four points ahead of Nice now in second, 13 points behind Paris Saint-Germain. We're going to talk about the battle for European qualification. But before that, let's let's bring in our Deja Who competition. Uh, We always have a lot of fun on Le Bourgeois with this. Prizes up for grabs these days as well. Um, Last week's clue was uh, this. Uh, you have to try and guess who we're talking about, by the way. And if you know the answer, you email in. Last week, it was while I won league titles in France and abroad. It was in cup competition, the European variety first and foremost, where I wove my most spectacular magic. I grew up playing for my hometown club before a then record transfer brought my first silverware and a fairy tale Champions League campaign that ultimately ended in heartbreak. I traded my nickname Le Lutin Magique for El Raton. And two years later, got my hands on big ears on an historic night in the French capital. More National Cup success in Italy and back in France filled my trophy cabinet before I returned to where it all began and enjoyed the rare honour of playing in a stadium named after myself. Ludovic Julie, Ludovic Julie, it was Robbie. Ludovic Julie played in a stadium named after himself. Where, where's that stadium? Chasselet, his last, his last club down in, well, it was CFR or CFR 2 at the time, just outside of Lyon. And uh, okay. that's where he started as a junior, and it's the, the still there, the Ludovic Julie, Stad Ludovic Julie. Nice. What a player. What a player. So um, we had 
a lot of answers. A lot of you emailed in league1podcast at gmail.com. Um, we had some persuasive emails as well from our Canadian following because the prize up for grabs this week is a Jonathan David shirt. Um, but unfortunately, we're, we're, we're not going to give in to any sort of emotional pressure. All the names go into the hat and uh, it is a fair draw. So the Jonathan David shirt winner is, drumroll, Samson Ensimo. Well done, Samson, for getting the correct answer. Ludovic Julie, we will be in touch with you, Samson, and we will be sending you uh, a wonderful Lille shirt uh, with Jonathan David's name on the back of it. There we go. So this week's Deja Who. The email address, if you think you know the answer, League One Podcast, L-I-G-U-E, the number one podcast at gmail.com. Here we go. Born in Africa to a French father and a Spanish mother, I made my professional debut in the country of my birth, winning the league and several cups before moving to the first of two French clubs where I continued to enjoy immense success. I won the Ligue 1 title, and the Coupe de France in the South and then the North and was denied European glory by a former teammate. But it was on the international stage where I set a record that still stands to this day. Who am I and what is my record? Wow, two questions. Two questions then for you. Who am I and what is my record? That's because we've got a really special prize, a Sergio Ramos PSG shirt. Up for grabs if you know the answer, league one podcast at gmail.com. I have to say, found that hard. JJ, what do you think? Oh, good. At last. Yeah, that is a uh, that that is a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna spend my lunch break today working on that because I don't have it at the moment. Um but we're gonna bring in uh, some commentary now. There was a massive game on Saturday night, Leon against Nice, uh, murmurings that it could be the end for Peter Boss if uh, if this one went wrong, but it went all right for, for Leon in the end. Here's Armel Tangi bringing us some commentary. Nice ball back towards the penalty spot. Well cut out by the Nice back line, but that struck an arm. And Benoit Mio has given a penalty two and a half minutes into this one. Walter Benitez moving left and right and diving to his left, keeping it out. But Lucas Paqueta was the quickest man to follow up. The save from Walter Benitez and Leon do take the lead. Benitez was off his line. Two Nice players were already inside the box. Penalty will be retaken. Take two for Moussa Dembele. And he's put it the same side and found the net. Walter Benitez took a gamble, changing sides. Moussa Dembele's fourth successful penalty of the season for Romain Fevre. Dombele back to Fev, who got the shot away, and Dombele might strike. Toko Ikambi does, and Leon have doubled their advantage early in this second half. Great bit of interplay between Fev and then Dombele to create that chance. And then there were two Leon players ready to tuck it in. So it finished 2 0 to Leon, and uh, Christophe Galtier afterwards, the Nice manager, said, Look, you know, they were better than us. They played very, very high-level football. And when you see that, Robbie, you think, well, yeah, it's Leon, and, and look at the quality of the players they've got. I mean, you know, what are they doing in mid-table? With performances like that, they can qualify for the Champions League. 
Absolutely, they can, which would be something of a surprise, considering they missed out with Memphis Depay and a and a and a good squad and a, a settled squad last time out. Um, I think the big talking point, Matt, is well, Jordan Shakiri was let go. He went and found his future in America. Jerome Boateng left out of the match day squad. Clearly, um, Mr. Bosch has just decided that it's. The time for, for niceties is finished. It's time to, to step up and make some tough decisions. And uh, this is the result. It worked. Will it work again and again repeatedly? That's the question because, you know, Nisa Nisa are a very fine opposition. Um, I was a bit surprised by by the result and how it played out. But, but fair play to Peter Bosch and fair play to Leon for getting this result. Yeah, result that takes them up to seventh place. They are level with Rennes, who are fifth. They're level with Monaco, who are who are sixth. It's unbelievably tight. A bit of a jump up to Strasbourg in, in fourth. Strasbourg are four points above Rennes, Monaco and Lyon. We've got Nice uh, in third. So they're sort of getting pulled a little bit away from Marseille and towards that, that sort of, that chasing pack. Um, JJ, how did you read that? That situation. I mean, the Jerome Boateng thing was was interesting, wasn't it? Because we've seen him very animated. There was uh, a game earlier in the season when he was absolutely screaming at Leo Dubois, the the club captain. There have been reports that he's been um, questioning Peter Boss's tactics. Um, he's been creating. You know, we don't know. These are these are reports, but the fact that he's been cast aside suggests that. He was cause he was causing a bit of a problem, and also Jonathan, he, you know, his performances weren't necessarily meriting this kind of leadership role that he was taking on. No, I agree. Uh, you know, Boateng is a <clears throat> is an extremely strong character, and obviously, you look at the you know uh, what he's achieved over his career, the clubs he's played at. You know, he's obviously going you know, to expect uh, you know certain standards to 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 not slip too far from you know what he experienced, particularly uh, at Bayern Munich. But also, I don't think that that gives you the right to to suddenly go and potentially confront the, the the coach or you know offer you know your tactical tips and, uh, and and wisdom you know and it would appear that that was that has been the case given that he's you know now suddenly finds himself out of the starting 11 but also you know I always think that it's a bit of a risk when you move for somebody you know like a like a Boateng who you know is in the twilight of his career is earning big money especially when you're a club that is at its best, when you're bringing through the fantastic young talents that, that Leon always managed to, to churn out from the academy. Uh, you know, I Leon are, are a bit of an oddity to me where for years I've been looking at the transfer business that the club does, which doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of the time, you know, bringing in Shakiri to sell him a couple of months later. Yes, he, he was not doing the what was expected of him on the pitch, but still, uh, you know, that, Bruno Guimarães, uh, you know, moving on as soon as Janinho uh, has has departed as as sporting director, despite the fact that he was one of the best performers, you know, I think bringing somebody like uh, Ndombele back, uh, you know, is a is is a good step in the right direction. And I think Lyon are at their best when they embrace, you know, sort of this this younger, more dynamic element. I don't think that they're particularly a place for veterans uh and i yeah but you know well, I, I, hmm. I, th- I think that boteng was probably frustrated maybe by the fact that so many of his teammates are, are fairly inexperienced and they make mistakes that you know is part and parcel of having that inexperience i get no i get i get what you're saying i do feel 
there might be an element of hindsight. I mean, we, we were saying at the start of the season, Leon's problem, their inconsistency is coming from the fact they have young players who don't necessarily get the, the mindset right, particularly for the smaller games. They tend to play well in the big games, not so well in, in the smaller games. And we were all saying, this is, you know, this is clever. They're getting in Emerson, Shakiri, and, uh, and Boateng. And, you know, Emerson's actually been outstanding at, at left back. He's been a good addition. You know, in theory, it was the right thing to do, but maybe they haven't picked the right people. Maybe Boateng is too far over the hill. Um, I don't know. But by the same token, I think you're right as well about the youngsters kind of needing to be to, to be given a certain amount of power at Lyon because they are they are the main men. And it was interesting, uh, an article in Le Keep talking about Jérôme Boateng and they, and they said, you know, the leader in Lyon's defence is a, a 19-year-old kid called uh, Castello Luqueba, who's just been absolutely brilliant. And that hasn't reflected well on Jérôme Boateng and all his Champions League medals and uh, um, Bundesliga titles because, uh, yeah, Luqueba's been, been so impressive. But... Um, I don't know what you think, Robbie. I think they've come out of January pretty well. And I do, I am sad that Bruno Guimaraes has, uh, has moved on. But Endombele and Roman Fevre were, were very good against Nice. And that, that there looks to be a slightly better balance in the, in the squad now. Yeah, probably. I think, I think Roman Fevre does bring them something new. But look, I honestly thought the squad should have been performing better than it was, to be fair, um, in the first half of the season. Um, I'm curious about the Endombele move um the fact that he's coming back again and and I'm not sure that's a good move necessarily for him in ter- on a personal level because I think unless he unless he's really going to find some sort of motivation and discipline and everything to to take his game back to the level that it was when he represented France um there's no doubt he has the the talent and the quality um I guess they had to replace Guimaraes so 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 that's done but I mean they've got They've got quality players. They they should be fighting for for Champions League football. Their youth academy continues to impress. It used to be forwards. Now it's defenders, as as you've just said, which is which is doing a brilliant job. They still well. They have a couple of youngsters up front as well. They're 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 a club that should always be near the top. I know there's no logic and there's no rules in sport, um, which is why there's great frustration and instability and and people lose their tempers and 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 things come out when when pressure is rising when things don't go according to plan but leon leon could get back i'm not sure whether they can make up champions league football for next season but i think they should consider themselves solid european candidates for next term as for and let's not forget that sorry, they're Jim. also in the reckoning for winning the europa league as well mm-hmm. and yeah. they've been playing well on that front and fingers crossed you know we finally get some french success there yeah um Nice, John, they got a wonderful result against uh, Marseille there in the Coupe de France semi-finals against Versailles, which is going to be a fascinating game. Uh, we got a question in from David A, who says uh, he loves the pod. Thank you, David. Um, what signing could Nice make in the summer to take them to the next level and challenge PSG in Ligue 1 or make them competitive in, in the Champions League? It's a big question, uh, John. One signing... That's tricky. I think signing Christoph Galtier Harland. already last last summer. Harland. <laughs> no, but let's let's try and go. Well, who knows that? But let's try and go for a more realistic one, perhaps. Uh, Jonathan, any any suggestions? Well, maybe um, profile, uh, JJ. Think think profile rather than player. Uh, what do they What do they need? I have an idea of 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 what they need. 
I mean, I, I think that there are a couple of areas, uh, you know, where they where they could build a little bit. I mean, one thing I would say with Nice is that they've done very, very well, uh, given how little time Galtier has spent with the project. You know, you'd assume it's sort of a three to five year deal. And for him to have them this competitive, this high up in the table already, going well on the, the domestic front as well with, uh, with the Coupe de France run, it's uh, you know I, I think it's it's been a very encouraging start so far. Some of the transfers that have been made um, have made more sense than others, um, you know. But there are some players as well who I think perhaps have uh, you know their their limitations. I think that despite the fact that Delors made a lot of sense coming in, uh, I think that Guiri is still their outstanding attacking talent, uh, their most consistent provider of uh, of goals, and I think. Really, when I'm looking at that attack, I think that they could do with a really prolific and reliable uh, source of goals. You know, if, if Delors can can get back to sort of his Montpellier level and stay there, which is not a given, given the stage of his career, uh, you know, because I don't think that Dolberg is ever going to have the kind of consistency that Nice will need in order to, to remain competitive at the top and potentially go on and push to, to challenge PSG. So who knows, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Milik can get recast on the, uh, yeah. on the I think, I, I think Nice are okay in terms, you know, I think Delors, Dolberg and, and Guiri, Dolberg's been unlucky with illness and injuries and, and what have you, but I think they've got three good attackers. A lot of talk about Hugo Loris. I'm a massive fan of Hugo Loris. It'd be lovely to see him back at Nice. I know he had a bit of a shocker for Tottenham at the weekend and I'm not 100% sure that on a, on a sporting level he he's the man they need but he he is a fantastic leader um and and and, and goalkeeper but I think they need a leader in the middle of the park I think Schneiderlein is a little bit over the hill Lemina Pablo Rosario they're okay and I commentated uh Lance against Bordeaux at the weekend and I just love Seco Fofana. I think, you know, whoever gets Seco Fofana is going to be so much stronger, you know, if he doesn't stay at Lens uh, next season. He is absolutely brilliant. And after the game, Lens beat Bordeaux 3-2. After the game, he said, uh, he said, yeah, that he had an ankle problem from the first minute, was playing on one leg and the, <laughs> the, the coach wanted to take him off, but he said, no, no, this is, this is too important. We've got to start. We've got to get back to winning ways. He scored a brilliant goal and just what, what a player. So there you go, Seco Fofana. Robbie. I'll, I'll second that second Seco Fofana love. It was a fantastic goal, brilliant. But he he does that week in, week out. I mean, he's... And the fact that he... I mean, it, this isn't a Lance chat, so I'll leave it. I'll stop so, there. But, he's so but good, though. He's so great, good. great for Seco Fofana. Love yeah. him. Um, for Nice, I would agree with you, but I, I, I would give Mario Lamina a little bit more love as well. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's been underrated for a long time. I remember seeing his... When he first burst onto the scene at Lorient, thinking he was a, a technical quality player who who was a little bit, the French would say, and here I go back into my franglais, a little bit too easy, a little bit too comfortable on the ball, technically very gifted, but maybe not prepared to put in the hard yards. Um, I think all that changed at Juventus, where I think he, he probably got a, a whole lot of hard love um, about how he had to lift his game and how, how he had to be disciplined and professional. And I think that did him the world of good. I think he's a great player. I think... Pablo Rosario is a... Uh, I don't know how to say that with a Dutch accent because it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, he uh, he is a, a a promising player. I think he's a good squad player. I agree with you, Schneiderlin. Um, basically, what I'm saying is I'd like to see them bring in someone with real quality alongside Lamina 
in that midfield. But I think they've got Hisham Budawi as a great little player or big player who can play just about any position as well and play it well. He can play wing, he can play central midfield, he can play second striker. Um, I think they've got great players all over, all over the park. I mean, probably little little things. Jean-Claire Todibo has been great um, since coming in there. Probably, you know, they're going to need a second central defender at some point with Dante heading past the half century soon. But JJ. <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I echo your thoughts on uh, Toddy Bo. I was going to say that I think he's been one of the most impressive performers. And I, I thought that uh, Gesson as well was extremely bright when he came on True. over the weekend. Yeah. And he's a, he's a talent who I'm really keeping my eye on. And they loaned uh, him know, out, didn't they, a- last year? And he did quite well, I think, at their sister club in Switzerland, if memory serves me correctly. I think he was at Lausanne Sport. Um, uh, yeah, that does well. ring a bell. Yeah. So, quite right. Yeah, quite I right. thought seven, you got seven goals. Yes, you are seven right. Goals at Lausanne. Yeah. Um, we had an email from Davor T. Thank you, uh, Davor, for not writing your your full uh, surname, which is hard to say. <laughs> the race for the top three is really heating up. I'm thinking PSG, Marseille, and controversially Rennes to qualify for the Champions League. What are your thoughts? I'll also bring in Frenchie from Evra. Frenchie says, I think it's time to take Strasbourg for a real contender. They even created a four-point gap with Rennes. It would be nice to see them in Europe with the fans they have. It's a well-deserved so far this season. Um, Thank you, Frenchie, because I did want to talk about Strasbourg, but we've gone on so long, it's going to have to be brief. They won 1-0 away to to Angers. Kevin Gamero, brilliant volley. It was actually the fourth consecutive game that he scored in. So, you know, he's coming coming good um, when they need him because Azurk is scoring a bit less and uh, Abib Diallo has been at the Nations Cup. So, um, yeah, Strasbourg are fourth. They're a point behind Nice. Absolutely remarkable. Um, Robbie, who's going to qualify for the Champions League? Probably looking like PSG and Marseille. Probably, although that could change. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, I think Nice. Well, at, at this stage, it looks that way, doesn't it? But let's, and I was going to use this for our relegation chat, which has been relegated to next week in the end. The relegation chat being that we're two thirds of the way through the season. Well, it, my maths is not great. It's difficult to work out, but just a little less, a little under two-thirds of the way through the season. And it's so tight at the bottom. And I think it's tight here. And I think a lot can change. As we've seen, we're going to have, you know, the players that were at AFCON are coming back. They could make a difference. Um, we've seen that form and getting three wins, three wins in four can change so much. And I think you've got some ominous and this is not good for Strasbourg. It's maybe not good for Nice, who are, their mind is on cup final, just silverware now for them. That is hugely important for a club that hasn't won anything for, for, for years. Nice would love to get their hands on a, on a Coupe de France. Um, and so you've got Monaco, Lyon, Rennes looming up behind your Nice and your Strasbourg. I mean, when, I remember having this conversation every year thinking, well, they're going to be in Europe next year. Oh, I don't know if that's good for France. I don't know if that's good for French football. You know, we used to ask that question of whether they'd be able to handle European football, Champions League football regularly. I just think it'd be great for Strasbourg. It'd just be awesome, given their story, that 10 years ago they were playing regional football in around local clubs that no one can pronounce around Strasbourg. And, and it's just... Fantastic. There are even a couple of players, Jeremy Grimm and, and Leonard, who are still there, only just, but still there. I mean, it would be 
just a, the most remarkable story that won't get enough airtime outside of France and probably outside this podcast. So we should, I think, <laughs> all jump on a very small bandwagon and get right behind them because Mark Keller, the club president, he's not going to bust the bank. He's not going to bring in Messi and Donnarumma or Haaland to, to, to get Strasbourg in Champions League next year. They're going to do it with Ludovico Jork and Dimitri Leonard and Alexandra Cassie or, you know, these, these kids. They're going to do it. Matt Selsin goal. They're going to do it their way. And their fans are going to love it. And it's going to be awesome. So Antony, Antony having just Cassie. said that it'll be Antony hard Cassie. for them to hang on, I hope they do. Anthony Cassie. Anthony yeah. Cassie, yeah. <laughs> and um, Lienard is certainly playing his part. He's wearing the captain's armband these days and uh, play, playing regularly. But John, just very quickly, because we are going on, but Julian Stefan, what job, what job he, he's done. And it's interesting to see, you know, that he's above Ren. You know, having having quit Ren last season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, very encouraging to see that Stefan hasn't lost uh, the touch that, that that we saw from him, certainly in the early part of his spell with uh, Rennes. Uh, and I completely echo Robbie's sentiments. You know, it's fantastic to see Strasbourg where they are now, given their history, uh, you know, given their story, fans cleaning the stadium to keep it uh, usable for the team. Uh, it's a shame that Grimm is is actually now back at, at Colmar. I mean, Strasbourg have a bit uh, of a, yeah. I have a bit of a soft spot for them, given that I've sort of charted their return back to the the professional ranks most commentating their rise through uh, championnat national and league 2 but um you know it, it is a it is a phenomenal story and great to see Lionel still playing such a, a big role there but it's not all just uh you know about him it's about uh you know a very well considered uh approach to to transfers and they've been generally speaking uh you know consistent enough to sort of still be in the shakeup uh you know for for Champions League qualification and it would be amazing to see the Meno uh you know full bursting with that that fantastic atmosphere that we get treated to uh you know every every two weeks or so in uh, in Ligue 1 to see that on the European stage would would be phenomenal and uh, you know I I can't speak highly enough of of the positive steps being made and Stefan uh you know since his arrival has, has definitely played a, a huge role in that so you know long may it continue so, yeah, Robbie, you were wrong about Jeremy Grimm, but I think you were right about Arkadjus Milik, who is still uh, doing this 18-month loan. Um, so we'll see what 50, happens. 50 we'll 50%. What, I know you got a few other things <laughs> wrong as well, but I don't, you know, I don't want to nitpick. You're about 20, 20% this, uh, this week. Um, okay. let's, let, let's have a quick look ahead, guys, uh, to round 25. Lille Metz on Friday night kicks off the action. Lance against Lyon, arguably the biggest game. That is... Uh, Saturday afternoon, Nantes against PSG. Saturday evening, the Sunday night clash, Marseille against Clermont. Marseille, by the way, are winning all their away games. They're struggling a bit at the Velodrome. So maybe Clermont can uh, can do something there. And I haven't even mentioned Brest. I'm, I'm really sorry about that, Brest fans. I know we do have Brest fans listening. They were brilliant uh, yesterday. They defeated Who Roman Fevre? They defeated Trois. Who needs Roman Fevre? Well, they've got this Uruguayan striker now. They beat Trois 5-1. Um, two goals for, try and get his name and pronounce it right, because we might have to remember this name, Martin Satriano, 20 years of age. Uh, he's on loan at Brest from Inter. Two goals for him. Uh, two goals as well for Frank Honorat. Check out the second goal, because that's beautiful Breton weather coming to the aid of their pirates. Absolute classic uh, no, cause classic the goal, that's the goal wind where he, and rain yeah yeah he brings down a ball over the top and scores and it's kind of you look at the replays and you can hardly see it because the cameras are just like <laughs> covered in rain um 
But uh, yeah, fair play to him adapting to the to the conditions. Brest are away to Reims uh, on Sunday. Let's go on a bon voyage. Let's have a look at where we would like to go for round 25. I'll start with you, Robbie Thompson. Which game do you fancy? Okay, well, I'm going to go for the uh, Romantic-sico this week, it being Valentine's Day tomorrow, uh, Saint-Étienne versus Strasbourg, because uh, we've just sung the praises of Strasbourg, but uh, to having written Saint-Étienne off uh, a couple of weeks ago on the pod, hats off Pascal Duprat, who I found out recently um, visited Australia a couple of years back when he was without uh, without a job. He hung out with a, a player here who currently plays for Sydney FC who used to play under him at Evian Tonongayat. And uh, so I had a chat to him and he said, oh, Pascal Dupre, yeah. And this was just before he signed for Saint-Étienne. So hats off to, to, to what he can do in terms of man motivation as well. Did you see him hugging his assistant coach when Kolodzicak scored the, scored the winning goal yesterday? Brilliant stuff. So look, I'm I'm in a bandwagon type of mood, so I'm going to get on to, to two bandwagon teams. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant two-one win for for Saint Etienne. They've secured back-to-back wins. They're off the bottom now, Bordeaux, uh, bottom with uh, alongside Metz. Um, Robbie, just a quick heads up. Uh, I don't know your missus maybe hasn't told you Valentine's Day is today. It's not tomorrow. So I know it's it's quite late in Australia already, but you've maybe got time <laughs> to go and buy a card or something. Um, JJ. <laughs> JJ, where do you fancy going? That's a very good point. And we had discussed it as well. <laughs> you know you know what? Funnily enough, my initial choice was the same as Robbie's. And uh, fun fact, uh, Optajon, uh, you know, throws up these gems from time to time. It was the first clash uh, in Ligue 1 between two coaches named Pascal. So it's actually the Pascalico over the uh, weekend between okay. uh, Duprat and uh, Gestien. Uh, I am going to have to go for Lens-Lyon. Uh, you know, I think for a big match like that, uh, you know, the Bollard is going to be, you know, in absolutely fine fettle. Uh, and I think, you know, Lens getting that important win over Bordeaux, Lyon, uh, you know, getting their season back on track as well with their win over Nice. You know, for me, that's really, uh, you know, building towards being a, a fantastic game game and perhaps uh the pick of the weekend so i'm gonna say that you know eighth against seventh uh you know i'm licking my lips at the prospect already okay well i'll i'll go to bordeaux um ever since the 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 new train line is uh, in place very easy two hours from paris and uh should be david guillon's first game in charge he was reportedly at the stadium in lance to, to witness bordeaux's latest defeat um he will be taking charge Jaroslav Plassel was was on the bench against Lance Bordeaux, um, are shipping a hell of a lot of goals at the moment. They led in 61. They were 3-0 down against Lance after 26 minutes, managed to come back to 3-2, didn't get an equaliser. But you always see goals. And Monaco, who only drew 0-0 with uh, Lorient last weekend, they're going to want to fire, aren't they? So Bordeaux-Monaco should be should be a good one. And... Uh, yeah, it'll be a nice, nice weekend down in 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 the southwest. Thank you very much for for joining us this week. It's been an absolute pleasure, Robbie. Thank you, JJ. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks a lot for having me on. We'll be back, of course, next week when we'll see we'll see if Robbie's prediction of three nil to PSG against Real Madrid comes comes good or not. Um, thank you very much, everyone. Have a great week. We'll be back again in seven days. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Neymar still. Oh my word! What a goal! Got it in. Lovely finish.
Ajax delivery again. Zuzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Fired again. And Messi again. This time maybe Messi's done it.